Stem Cells at Lunch Digested is brought to you by the Centre for Stem Cells and Regenerative Medicine at King's College London. I'm Prudence Lloyd and one of the PhD students in the Centre of Stem Cells and Regenerative Medicine in KCL. And in today's episode, we are joined by Professor Peter Jones, our renowned professor in the Department of Diabetes at KCL. Welcome, Peter. Thank you very much for joining us. So to start off with, could you introduce yourself very quick, quickly and maybe let us know what the focus of your lab is? Yes, um, I'm a professor of endocrine biology in the Department of Diabetes, and we're mainly interested in the function of the cells that make and secrete the hormone insulin. These are known as pancreatic beta cells, and the hormone insulin allows us to store energy for future use. If we don't have insulin, we can't regulate our blood glucose and we can't store energy. That's the disease known as diabetes. So I noticed that in your PhD, you're actually studying like peptide hormone in central nervous system. And then you transist to study the beta cell function, do your postdoc and have been working on it ever since. So what actually made you so interested in beta cells? I started off working on small hormones known as oxytocin and vasopressin in the central nervous system and that triggered an interest generally in how hormones work to regulate virtually every function that we have as mammals and when i started as a postdoc i got particularly interested in insulin because it's one of the major clinical endocrine disorders diabetes and so i wanted to do something with my science which might be relevant to clinical medicine, which might help us treat people with diabetes in different or better ways. Interesting. So do you always want to focus on the clinical side of how to treat um, diabetes, for example? Yes, I'm not a clinician. I'm a, I'm a PhD scientist, but I, I'm interested in using our basic science to either understand what causes disease, and in this case, diabetes, or to improve the way that we, we can treat the disease. It's known as translational science, and it's what my lab um, is interested in, in doing things which we can then translate into better diagnosis or better therapies. So looking forward, what do you think is the biggest challenge of the field? The biggest challenge in diabetes in general is the big increase in type 2 diabetes. This is a diabetes that used to be called maturity onset diabetes because people tended to get it when they got older. Now we see it in much younger populations and that's because it's linked to obesity. So as the population in general is getting more and more obese, diabetes is starting in the population much earlier. And the reason that's worrying is because diabetes comes with a whole range of different complications which develop over the years that people have diabetes. If you get it younger, you're much more likely to develop complications than if you get it older. So, so your generation is going to have a major uh, epidemic of diabetes unless we can find some way either to prevent it or to reverse it. If I get it correctly, um, type 2 diabetes it can be linked to a lifestyle as well. Am I correct? Yes, type 2 diabetes is probably about 50% genetic and 50% lifestyle. 
you can't change your genes, but you can change your lifestyle. And on the beta cell level, what do you think we can do to actually improve, maybe prevent diabetes from happening, other than being not being obese, I guess? <laughs> it's very difficult to get people to change their habits. What happens in type 2 diabetes is as we get heavier, as we put on weight, we increase the number of beta cells that we have to allow us to secrete more insulin because our tissues become resistant to the effects of insulin so we need more in some individuals we can compensate we can make more and more beta cells and more and more insulin so we can control our blood glucose in other individuals we, we can't compensate so they can't expand their number of beta cells they can't make enough insulin so they tip into overt diabetes so one way of trying to tackle the problem if we can't persuade people not to get fat is to try to work out why some people can compensate and other people can't and use that information to try to develop new treatments. I see. What about the immunology side of it? Um, do, you, do your lab actually link between immunology and diabetes? Because I know, for example, regulatory T cells actually quite um, play a quite an important role in suppressing inflammations in adipose tissue, for example, and that kind of it help um, yeah. obesity from not happening in a sense that obesity can be classified as a form of low-grade inflammation as well. So is this some of the area that your lab is interested in looking into? or That's a, that's a really good question. So there's two ways that um, immunology crosses with our work. One is type 1 diabetes, and that's where the immune system destroys the beta cells. It decides for some reason that the beta cells are foreign and it destroys them. So people with type 1 diabetes have a very profound form of diabetes where they have no insulin and they have to inject themselves regularly with insulin to prevent them from going into metabolic collapse and dying. So we're interested in that element of it, why beta cells are recognized in some people as being foreign and destroyed, which leads to type 1 diabetes. And quite a lot of our work at the minute is focused on putting beta cells back into people with type 1 diabetes. In type 2 diabetes, you're quite right that there's no doubt there's a, a low-grade inflammation, and that's regulated by the immune system. And it's that low-grade inflammation, particularly in adipose tissue, that leads to the insulin resistance. And if you can't compensate for the insulin resistance, you'll then tip in to diabetes. So we're very interested in why uh, adipose cells get inflamed and whether we can suppress that inflammation and thus restore the insulin sensitivity. I also read some of your recent paper that you're looking into mitochondria side of it. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about it as well? Yes, this is to do with when we're transplanting beta cells back into people with type 1 diabetes. To do that, we have to make the beta cells from donors. These are people who, who are heart beating, brain dead organ donors. We get their pancreas and we isolate the beta cells to be infused back into people with diabetes. But those beta cells are really not very well because they're metabolically compromised. 
Now I need to tell you a little bit about how beta cells work normally. And what they normally do is they respond to an increase in blood glucose by releasing insulin. And to recognize the increase in blood glucose, they use mitochondria. Mitochondria are the powerhouse of the cell and they turn glucose and other substrates into ATP for energy. Beta cells use mitochondria to allow them to release insulin. So if their mitochondria aren't working properly, then they can't release insulin properly. So we're very interested in how mitochondria work and what goes wrong with them in beta cells. And in some recent work, we've shown other cells can transfer mitochondria into damaged beta cells, and that improves the beta cell function. I see, that's very interesting. I think so. <laughs> yeah, definitely very interesting to transfer mitochondria from one from neighboring cells to beta cells. That's wow. I didn't thought that'd be possible. Neither did I. It's really quite amazing. There's been three or four descriptions in different disease states of cells known as mesenchymal stromal cells transferring mitochondria into neighboring damaged cells and that fixing the damaged cells or, or at least restoring their mitochondrial function, which we all cells need to work properly. That's amazing. Yeah. That's really, really cool. I really look forward to your actual talk now. So another Maybe one of the last question, um, what is the thing that you enjoy so much about science that you stay in the scientific field for so long? It's, it's, that's a very good question. I think all scientists are curious by nature. They want to know how things work. I stayed as a postdoc um, after I got my PhD because I really liked working in the lab. I like doing experiments. I like doing things with my hands. As you get older, you're less able to do that. You really don't have as much time. Um, but I still find the fascination of getting results and working out what the results mean. And actually, maybe finding something or seeing something that nobody else has found or seen before, however, however minor it is. So one of my favourite things now at my stage in my career is when my students come to me and show me their results and we discuss them and argue about them it's it's endlessly fascinating i i definitely agree discovering something new i think it's definitely what drives most people yeah and it doesn't ha it doesn't have to be that important or earth-shattering as long as it's something that, that you've done and that, that interests you can't agree more well, thank you very much for joining us today and I really look forward to your talk later on. You're very welcome. Thank you.